Hi everyone! Welcome to the page to screen edition of the Yadkin County Public Library podcast where each month we usually discuss a book that has been turned into a movie or TV series as well as the reception of each. For this installment of Page to Screen, we're going to take a little bit of a different route than we normally do, and we're going to delve into true crime in a book that has had many awards and accolades bestowed upon it, including a place on the New York Times bestseller list, a best book of the year for the Washington Post, Marine Corrigan NPR, Paste, Seattle Times, Entertainment Weekly, Esquire, Slate, BuzzFeed, Jezebel, Philadelphia Inquirer, Publishers Weekly, Kirkus Reviews, Library Journal, and Bustle. This book has also been chosen as the 2018 winner of the Goodreads Choice Awards for Nonfiction, Anthony Award winner, Skiba Book Award winner, finalist for the Edgar Award for Best Fact Crime, as well as long-listed for the Carnegie Medal of Excellence. I have heard a few readers describe this 371-page true crime bestseller as second in its genre only to Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. So if you haven't guessed it yet, we'll be discussing Michelle McNamara's haunting true story, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, One Woman's Obsessive Search for the Golden State Killer. This book was also the basis for the major six-part HBO documentary series. This episode is going to be a review more so than a comparison of each medium like we would normally do, just due to the content of this sub subject. So there's not really going to be a, the book was better or the show was better, as it really just comes down to your preference for an information medium, whether it be written or on the screen. I do want to give a trigger warning to my listeners, as the book and series discuss crimes of murder and sexual assault, so this episode is intended for a mature audience. A true crime really isn't in your interest, that's okay, and maybe I'll catch you on the next page to screen episode. Jillian Flynn, the best-selling author of the thrillers Gone Girl, Sharp Objects, and Dark Places, all of which I've read and have also been adapted for the big screen as either TV shows or movies, wrote a line at the beginning of the book that really resonated with me as a true crime reader. She states, I love reading true crime, but I've always been aware of the fact that as a reader, I am actively choosing to be a consumer of someone else's tragedy. So, like any responsible consumer, I try to be careful in the choices I make. I read only the best, writers who are dogged, insightful, and humane. I couldn't have said that any better myself. As a child, I was obsessed with mysteries, even watching Unsolved Mysteries religiously as a youth. Even though I'd have to admit, the show host Robert Stack used to scare the pants off of me. (laughs) Some of you (laughs) might remember those days, as he did many others. Something about his presence and demeanor, he was just the perfect host for that show. As an adult, that translated over into a bit of a true crime obsession for me. I was never really big on horror movies, but I've watched all of the Ted Bundy documentaries that I could find, and basically every other piece of television with the subject of true crime. I visited Alcatraz East Alcatraz East in Pigeon Forge. My husband and I went and we spent a whole rainy day there with no lunch, just pouring over the exhibits and ending the tour at Ted Bundy's Volkswagen Bug, as well as the Bronco that was involved in the infamous O.J. Simpson car chase. If you enjoy learning about crime history, Alcatraz East is a treasure trove of information and exhibits. I remember there is a whole um, exhibit on serial killers and at one point you walk through and they have John Wayne Gacy um, some of his outfits his clown outfits that he would wear and I just remember getting chills it's it's a great place to visit if um, you're interested in a crime 
In short, you can't throw a rock without hitting an armchair detective, self-included, and there's no disputing our collective fascination with true crime. It's why so many of us are addicted to podcasts like My Favorite Murder and Crime Junkie, which I've listened to many hours of throughout the duration of this pandemic. Just don't listen to it while you're alone at night. <laughs> we'll creep you out more than once. Um, if you're interested in true crime, that's a great podcast to start with, as well as Park Predators, which I think is produced by these same um, people that do Crime Junkie. It's why we invest hours in series like Netflix. Netflix's new Unsolved Mystery series, shocker, I was very excited to see the series had been given new life, and I've seen each episode at least twice now. It's also why we devoured books like Helter Skelter and In Cold Blood, often in one sitting. I found a really interesting article on health.com that explores various reasons on why people are so attracted to true crime stories. And this was taken straight from the article, so I'll just quote it. According to research published in 2010, women are bigger fans of true crime than men. One theory is that even though men are statistically more likely to be the victims of violent crime than women, with the exception of rape and sexual assault, women may feel more vulnerable to attack and therefore more inclined to gather intel about how to survive a true crime scenario were it to occur. If you ask people, why do you like true crime? I don't think most of them would say, I'm learning how to keep it from happening to me. Amanda Vickery, PhD, co-author of the 2010 study and now an associate professor in the psychology department at Illinois Wesleyan University, tells health. But I think deep down that that may be very well be what's going on. In fact, her report found that women were most drawn to true crime stories that gave them tips for spotting danger and staying alive. If a true crime story had something about the psychological content of the killer, something that implied they would learn about what set him off and what signs to look out for, they liked it, says Vickery. If they thought they might learn something about how someone escaped, they like it. They liked it. So my big take-home message was that it was all related to survival. End quote. I'm inclined to agree myself. There were various other theories, but overall, it was a pretty interesting article. I'll be sure to place the link in the description box as well as a place to voice your own opinion. Are you obsessed with true crime? And if so, why? If you've made it this far, <laughs> let's start discussing the book. Part autobiography, part investigative journalism, this Amazon best book of 2018 will stay with you long after you finish the last page. Chris Schloop from the Amazon Book Review states... I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Michelle McNamara's compelling investigation of the Golden State Killer who terrorized Northern California from the mid-70s to the mid-80s is one of the best true crime books to come along in a decade. It's the story of two obsessions, McNamara's obsession with the criminal and whatever abhorrent obsession drove him to commit a series of horrific rapes and murders over 10 years. The author, a true crime journalist who created the popular website truecrimediary.com, describes the crimes and examines clues in an effort to uncover his identity. Occasionally, she challenges convention by inserting herself into the narrative. At one point, she even writes directly to the Golden State Killer. And the book acquires even more personal weight when one takes into account the fact that McNamara, at the age of 46, died while writing it. Knowing all of this, and with each chilling description, McNamara's obsession begins to become our own. She believed that the Golden State Killer would still be alive today. You will discover yourself hoping she's right so that you can see him captured and brought to justice. This book was released on February 27, 27 2018, nearly two years after McNamara's death and two months before an arrest would be made in the case. 
I remember sitting in Barnes & Noble when this book came out, skimming through, wondering what course of action would come next since the author had tragically and suddenly passed away. And if the Golden State Killer, a moniker that McNamara actually bestowed upon the serial killer slash rapist slash burglar himself, he had previously been referred to by various other names, including the East Area Rapist or the Ear, the original Night Stalker or Ons. So he was came he came to be known as the Ear Ons um, by many in that community. The Visalia Ransacker, the East Bay Rapist, and Diamond Knot Killer. You have to remember that agencies didn't really cooperate as much back then. So it was only recently that they discovered that all of these different names and people were one person. McNamara's coining of the Golden State Killer moniker is credited with heightening awareness of the uncaught killer that operated throughout California in the early 1970s to mid-1980s. There were many things about this book that initially stood out to me. For one, I had never heard of this criminal that would come to be known as the Golden State Killer. This man, who was perhaps one of the most prolific criminals in California and maybe even United States history, was relatively unknown to me and many others. Overshadowed by others such as the Zodiac, whose identity remains unknown to this day. That's a whole other rabbit hole that you could go down. And I've done a lot of reading on that. So hopefully one day we'll know his identity. As well as the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. And there was recently a Netflix documentary about him for those that are interested. But these were two other serial killers who were active during that same time frame. It seems like California was kind of a a hotbed for um, these kind of criminals during that time. The Golden State Killer had remained relatively unknown, yet he had a list of crimes a mile long and terrorized California for 10 years before basically just vanishing without a trace. There's no doubt in my mind that it was Michelle that brought light to these cases while simultaneously humanizing his victims. She manages the delicate task of weaving these horrific crimes throughout details of the victims' lives. She educates us on the life of each victim so that they're not just another face in a long string of of crimes. It does get a little muddy throughout the book, trying to keep up with each victim and the circumstances surrounding their rape or murder, but that is no fault of the author. The magnitude of just what she undertook is exemplified in the HBO miniseries when at one point she loads up 37 boxes of files from the police station into her daughter's playroom. Michelle and her researcher, Paul Haynes, used the files to explore the case of the Visalia Ransacker, the perpetrator of a string of burglaries in the early 70s that bore striking similarities to the East Area Rapist, or the Ear, as he was known during that time of the crimes. To say that Michelle was obsessed is a gross understatement. At one point in the book, she recalls an incident in which she left her comedian husband, Pat Oswalt, alone at a movie premiere, directly after receiving new information on the case. You may know Patton Oswalt from his role as Spence Olchen on the sitcom King of Queens. I used to love that, to watch that show um, just over and over. And Oswalt is also known for voicing Remy on Disney Pixar's Ratatouille. Patton has always been very vocal in his support of his late wife. And after her untimely passing, he dedicated himself to finishing the book that she had been working on since 2013. As I sat there in the Barnes & Noble Cafe, reading as Michelle detailed how she tracked down a pair of cufflinks on eBay that were identical to a pair that were stolen by the ear, in hopes of maybe tracing the cufflinks back to him, I thought to myself, this is a woman on a mission. 
If anybody could uncover the Eron's slash Golden State Killer, she was the one. I didn't actually finish the book before the Eron's Golden State Killer, Joseph James D'Angelo Jr., would be apprehended in April of the same year that the book was released. While everyone was obviously overjoyed that this dark figure had finally been brought to the light and his victims could finally receive some justice and closure, it was heartbreaking to think that Michelle never got to experience the culmination for her years of effort and work. I remember shedding tears while reading Patton's Twitter status to his late wife the day of the apprehension, which read in quotes, I think you got him, Michelle. I actually got about halfway through the book, but then I ended up going down some internet rabbit holes, as you do, about the killer after he was apprehended. So I never actually finished the book until this past year when I saw that the HBO miniseries had been released. So as a reader, my first experience with the book was much different than my second in that this time I knew the ending. This monster, whom had stolen so much from so many, and who had once told a victim, make one move and you'll be silent forever and I'll be gone in the dark which is where the the book title comes from. He would finally answer for his heinous acts of violence. 32 years after this goblin's crime span, which as it currently stands includes 13 murders, 50 rapes, as well as 120 burglaries, D'Angelo would finally be apprehended using DNA from members of his family through forensic genetic genealogy. Owing to California's statute of limitations on pre-2017 rape cases, D'Angelo could not be charged with 1970s rapes, but he was charged in August 2018 with 13 related kidnapping and, abdu- and abduction attempts. On June 29, 2020, D'Angelo pleaded guilty to multiple counts of murder and kidnapping. As part of a plea bargain that spared him the death penalty, D'Angelo also admitted to numerous crimes with which he had not been formally charged, including rapes. On August 21, 2020, D'Angelo was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Though Michelle was never able to solve the case herself, I'll Be Gone in the Dark did two very important things for the case. Her case is, one, it put these crimes back in the public eye after sitting unsolved for so many years, and it lit a fire that had, in a sense, long since dwindled. They still had people working on the case, but it had been a long time. And as a lot of you know, cold cases become harder to solve the longer that they sit. The second thing, as mentioned before, was that it put a face to his victims. If you haven't read I'll Be Gone in the Dark, I highly recommend it, as well as the HBO six-episode miniseries that was directed by Liz Garbus, Elizabeth Wolfe, Miles Kane, and Josh Curry. The series revolves around Michelle McNamara as she writes the book about and investigates the Golden State Killer. The original six-part series premiered on June 28, 2020 on HBO and concluded on August 2, 2020. A special episode premiered on June 21, 2021. Review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes reported an approval rating of 96% based on 48 reviews with an average rating of 8.37 out of 10. The website's critical consensus reads, Director Liz Garbus smartly centers I'll Be Gone in the Dark around the late McShell McNamara's passionate efforts, weaving together a heavy but important tapestry of trauma, obsession, and survival. Metacritic gave the series a weighted average score of 82 out of 100 based on 20 reviews, indicating universal acclaim. Unfortunately, the series is only available for HBO subscribers, but I'm hopeful that maybe they'll end up releasing the series on DVD or Blu-ray in the future so that maybe we could obtain a copy for um, checkout here at the library. We do own a copy of the book 
here at Yakin County Public Library. Or if you prefer audiobook, which is how I experienced the book the second time around, and I really did enjoy that. I would listen as I was going back and forth to work. Um, so there are copies of that available for hold within NC Cardinal. So that's all I have for you today, but I would love to hear how all of you felt about the book if you've read it or the series if you've watched it. Feel free to follow us on social media and let us know in the comments if you've read a true crime book lately that really stuck with you. Whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, we'd be happy to see you there. If you haven't already, hit that follow button so you can follow this weekly podcast. Each week, Yakin County Library staff will be bringing you more topics, so be sure to check in every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you all next month for the next installment of Page to Screen. Happy Wednesday, everyone.